Yes, happy new month of July to you and happy 4th of July and all. Um, appreciate so much uh, what Brennan mentioned and, and prayed about this morning in our time together. Uh, it, it dawned on me as we're going through VBS material and with the children, um, we went through the gospel with them and one of the points was about the, the Tower of Babel and uh, the, the color that we were giving forth to the children was gray and it was about confusion and it, it hit me that's you know history repeats itself right here we are in a tower of Babel kind of society doing it on their own and uh, languages confusing and all sorts of things um, and we as Christians um, uh, you who are believers in Jesus Christ, we need to uh, do what we're doing right now, but also getting out in the community and shining as a light for Christ. Uh, and so it's, it's our encouragement. That's, that's why we meet together, so that we can go out, not so that it's a matter of coming in all the time and huddling up and feeling good about huddling up with each other but that we can go out into this community, into our state, and on and on, you know, wanting to share the message of Jesus Christ. We are in Exodus chapter 24 this morning, so please turn there in your Bible. Uh, we want to understand a little bit of the build-up to this chapter. And a lot of us might not get it that actually this chapter is like the peak in the book of Exodus. We all, uh, most of us understand that in the book of Romans, the peak of the New Testament is what? Romans chapter 8. Okay? And that's the idea in, in the book of Romans. Well, in the book of Exodus, we could see this as the peak of the book of Exodus for what it's um, giving to us. But in a review kind of a fashion, um, previously in Exodus, <laughs> uh, especially in, just in, in the previous chapter, um, there's the, the revealing of the, the Sabbath needing to be observed, uh, pointing to the rest for God's people. There's also festivals that were mentioned in, in Exodus 23. The, the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the, the Passover. Um, the Feast of the Harvest or the Feast of Weeks, also later on known as Pentecost. Um, and then the Feast of Ingathering or uh, of the Tabernacle or the Booths, different names for that, that third one. Celebrating the ingathering of the summer crops and fruits along with the close of the agricultural year. Then the end of chapter 23 brings forth the issue of, or the subject of, the, the guardian angel of Israel, the God-given angel to guide Israel and, and guard them along the way. And each of these, we think, okay, uh, so what? Well, each of these shows, the, is a shadow of what's to come. It's a reality for them. It's a reality for Israel, yet it's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. 
So we come to chapter 24, and here we have the presentation and the approval of the covenant that God makes with Israel. And so before we get into the outline, which you can follow in your bulletin, the, the idea of the covenant is that it denotes a, a binding agreement. That's the idea with a covenant. It's a binding agreement between two parties. Um, you know, it, it's a formal arrangement, if you will, that binds the parties together. Um, there's various examples, um, some from civil life, um, for instance, witnesses giving their oath in, in a courtroom setting, right? They have to swear to tell the truth. Um, men and women give their oath to serve in the military, their fire department or police department, or even doctors and medical specialists giving uh, an oath to bind them to their agreement on doing their job um, in society. It, uh, the, the example is marriage. We don't call it covenant. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. Most marriage ceremonies don't refer to it as a covenant. But that's what it is. When you married your spouse, it's a covenant. Okay? It's binding. And that's one of the problems uh, throughout American history as long as I've been alive. Of Here's the idea of making marriage easy to get out of. Just divorce and no, no big deal. God doesn't see it that way. It's a binding type of agreement. Okay? Um, also, examples from individuals. You remember David and Jonathan, their story. They, they in essence, kind of made a, a binding agreement, okay? Um, and even a likeness of it with Ruth and Naomi in the book of Ruth. So what we want to understand, though, is this covenant of, with God and Israel. And a covenant with God and Israel has two, section, or two categories, if you will. One is based on the grace of God and one is based on the performance of Israel. Okay? Two, two different kinds of covenants. And the covenant made here in Exodus 24 is one that Israel made with God. They all rallied to say, yes, we'll do it, we'll obey, we'll do what you say, God. And they made the covenant and they obliged themselves to maintain their obedience to God's revealed law. So everything that follows in this passage and on through Exodus for Israel, they're obligated to obey the law of God. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we think of marriage. Here's an engagement period. And now here's the commitment of the, the ceremony of the covenant of marriage. And that's what happens here in Exodus 24. It's commitment time. And in this passage, it's, it's really clear that as I entitled the message, you can see it in your outline, time for drawing near. That's the underlining issue of this chapter, drawing near. All of us can understand that. In a wedding ceremony, here comes the groom, he steps out front, and here comes the the bride walking down the aisle, they, and they, uh, in a visual way, draw near, and they join together, making a commitment, a binding commitment. So what we have is um, chapter 24, there's 18 verses here, and in the first two verses, we have point number one, the call to draw near. And 
the theme is worship. And that's what we see throughout Exodus. It's really the un, one of the underlining main themes in Exodus. God calling his people out to do what? To just get free and go live in the condos of, you know, along the Sea of Galilee? No, it's a commitment to serve and worship. Those two go together. Serve and worship God. They were saved out of slavery to do that. Serve and worship the Lord. And God calls them to himself and then will instruct them. And that's what we find here and throughout, uh, especially here in, in Exodus 24 and, and throughout the book. So the theme is worship. The terms, letter B, the terms are God's, not Moses. In Judaism, Moses is elevated. You know, he's the top dog, so to speak, Moses and his law. But the terms of this covenant and the terms of worship are God's. They come from God. Now, there's three groups of people here in verse uh, 1 and 2. The people, and they were told to just stay where they're at. There are boundaries for them. They were to stay at the foot of Mount Sinai. Stay down there at the foot of Mount Sinai. But then there's another group, and he mentions them by name. In verse 1, he, the Lord, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord. You and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. That's not just a thing of Moses having favoritism. That's got a different picture to it. And the picture is there needs to be one mediator. Only one. And again, here's a picture of what Christ is for mankind. The one and only mediator. Okay? So, this, this, um, this idea of these um, representative leaders... They were brought forth to worship. Even those that are mentioned and the 70 elders, they could only come so far. They couldn't come as far as Moses. And that was really a setup of what was to come for their tabernacle worship as they went on into the promised land. That was the setup of things. Okay? It wasn't just, hey, I, I decided to go into the Holy of Holies today. No, you, you would die. Okay? And so... You, I want to, you know, it's like any one of us here could go and do a study of worship, right? You'll find the Bible is the textbook for worship. It's not what you think it is. It's what the Bible says it is. And it's really, it, God is very clear about how he wants us to worship him. And in our day and age, in this church period that we're in right now, that you read up on it or you go to other churches and, and you find out, you know, that's, that's a big thing. I, I'm just going to worship the way I want to worship. Um, and many Christians, they claim to be Christians, they, you know, they say, well, I worship by myself. I'm, I, go up to, I go out hiking and I worship out there. I've heard that. You know, many of you have heard that. And it's interesting that here is a, a collaborative collective kind of a thing of worship 
And yet, at this point, we say, well, gee, I, I wouldn't like to be those people. I'd rather go up mountain. Well, see, this is the old covenant. This is the old covenant. The people couldn't come just on their own. They had to have the priests, and then here's the, the one mediator, Moses. And it's interesting regarding worship. Who's mentioned here by name? Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders. I just, it's awfully interesting that, you know, here's Aaron, who later on, very quickly on, following, will allow the people to build the, up the golden calf. False worship. Nadab and Abihu, what happens there? Leviticus chapter 10 says they offered strange fire. And what happened to them? They lost their lives. God takes what? God takes worship serious, doesn't he? And yes, we can say, oh, well, that's the old covenant. Yes, it is. But we're going to see connections of it as we go along to the fact that it is very serious how we approach worship. So that's the call to draw near real quickly in verses 1 through one and 2. Um, point number 2, the means to draw near. Verses 3 through 8. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. So there's that an initial agreement. It's not binding yet. That's the initial agreement. Hey, yeah, we'll do what God says. Verse 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. Okay? So right away, here's two points that we can connect with. Letter A, the revelation of God. The means to draw near is the revelation of God. You've got to connect with that. You've got to understand it. It's, it's God's instruction, God's word, His law and His ordinances. He, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. So that serves, really, that's ought to be, that ought to be what? That ought to be priority in our worship as we draw near the revelation of God. Letter B, we see that he builds an altar, the altar of sacrifice, an altar built by Moses with 12 pillars depicting what? The 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? Rep so that represents the people there. And then he appointed some young men to go and perform the sacrifices, sacrifices known as burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, real quickly, I'm not, we're not going to delve into it a lot here, but just the idea of burnt offerings was Israel's most common sacrifice. This is what Noah offered when he got out of the ark. It was a burnt offering. This is what Abraham was to do with his own son Isaac. A burnt offering. And praise God, God provided the ram or the, the lamb. God provided the lamb for the burnt offering, okay? But it's not just the most common sacrifice, it's obviously the most costly sacrifice because of what it did and what it pictures. It consumes the animal. Everything's burnt up, except for the skin. The skin was saved and, and that was taken off, you know, uh, and then the sacrifice was burnt up. 
And all this implies what? A life taken. A life taken. Even if it was a, a lamb or, or uh, a calf, whatever. Then there's peace offerings. And here's the idea behind the peace offerings. Um, they were shared amongst... Here's, they're shared by God, by the priests, and by the offerers. This, the idea of peace offerings then implies acceptance and thus a peace experienced by the, the one who's been accepted. The one that's offered the peace offering. Which brings about fellowship. This gave an assurance, so to speak, that he has peace with God. Okay? So the altar of sacrifice immediately talks about that here's the burnt offering and the peace offering. But here's the, the next point under number two, letter C, is the application of the blood. Okay? Verse, look back at verse 5 now. He sent the young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. Well, they just said that, right? But now it becomes official. Why? Because blood is involved. Blood's been sprinkled or, or kind of sprayed out against the, the altar there, okay? And then Moses took the blood in verse 8. Look at it. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. Okay, now how many people did Israel have? A <laughs> uh, couple million maybe? So right away you know, well, he didn't go to each person, right? The idea is what we saw earlier in this passage. What are the 12 pillars that he made with the altar, what does that represent? The 12 tribes, the people. So we understand that it was in that, in that kind of a symbolic way. Flinging the blood of these sacrifices against the 12 pillars. Okay? And then when he says, Behold, pay attention, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Okay? So, the application of the blood. Listen, it's very important. Serves as a covering. Serves as a covering. It was done in this passage in a representative way, done symbolically, if you will. Again, representing a life taken so that another life can be accepted. So, that's what we, you know, give here uh, regarding the means of drawing near. The revelation of God, the instruction that He gives, and the altar of sacrifice, and the application of blood. On the back of your outline, number three, the process of drawing near. Look at verse 9 now. Verse 9 through 11 says this, Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy elders 
uh, of Israel went up. Okay? They went up. Letter A, a fearful anticipation. A fearful anticipation. They went up to the mountain. They took action. They went getting up to meet God here. It's a getting up kind of a trek going up to the mountain. Can you imagine what they're talking about as they go up? They are all witnesses of what God had done previously in the book of Exodus, right? They're all witnesses of His power and His might. And now they've been called up. They're going up. Uh, you know, their eyes are bugging out, kind of like, oh, what are we going to find up here? This is... And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's the idea that this is, a, you know, here's a fearful anticipation. They don't know exactly, you know, what's going to happen other than they will be receiving the... Uh, Moses will be receiving the, the two tablets with the Ten Commandments on it. But also, it becomes, you know, he, he goes through this quickly here. There's not a lot of explanation given. In verse 9, it says they went up. Verse 10 says what? They saw God. Right away, it's like, like boom. They went up, and they saw God. Whoa! <laughs> they saw the God of Israel. Letter B, a beautiful attraction. It was a beautiful attraction. Here's man's awe and wonder in going up. And here's the beauty of the Lord. A beautiful attraction. They didn't just, you know, kind of glance. The idea is they gazed upon. They gazed upon God. Now, we've got to understand that the Bible later on in Exodus chapter 33 says... God says to Moses, you know, you, you can't see my face because if you, if you do, you'll die. You can't see me in that sense. So this had to have been some sort of a manifestation, not a, in a literal sense we saw God. So uh, then it, it gives, it, again, here's the, the brief description that it gives. Look at verse 10. They saw the God of Israel. And here it is, a one-liner. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven of, uh, for clearness. That's all they're going to tell us? Maybe that's because that's all they could see. And you know what? I think it's very clear, the position that they were in. When they see what? They see his feet. What do you think those guys are doing? They're bowing down. They, they have bowed down. That's all that they can see. Here's his feet. And here's this sapphire stone, this pavement like a sapphire stone. It's that, um, it's kind of like the, the blue we were portraying on Arctic operation, you know, light blue. And it, it's this beautiful scene. So the process of drawing near fearful anticipation, a beautiful attraction of who God is. And again, it wasn't face-to-face -face sighting. It wasn't a full-fledged, hey, there's God and there's all of Him because God does not, God does not have a body. <laughs> God is, John chapter 4, God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Point number C, under number 3, there is a merciful acceptance. A merciful acceptance. He did not lay his hand on them. 
Oh, my goodness. And the reason is, you know, it's like we, we expect this because of the day and age we live in. But when we study the Old Testament, we understand here's, here's examples of people dying. Why? Because of God's holiness and righteousness. You and I are sinners. We're sinners. <laughs> we don't want to, you know, just keep saying that over and over again. But we, have, we deal with sin. We wrestle with sin. And God cannot stand sin. So the, the whole thing is, is, this is a setup. It's kind of a, a challenging setup because the old covenant was based on what? The performance of the people. Do you get what's happening here? They can't keep the covenant. They can't. They immediately break the covenant. They fail in it. <laughs> and yet here, here's this beautiful picture of here's God. Here's what we see of God. It's limited, but here's what we see of God. And here's this merciful acceptance. And it's the result of offerings. They had offerings that were given, sacrificed to God. Here they are. And the blood sprinkled out there. The blood did what? The blood covered them. And now they're accepted. They're accepted before God. Signifying, here's this, uh, for the, the forgiveness of sins. Because then you, you go on to see, what, he, what does he say? Verse 11, he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. That's amazing. Because this is a holy, righteous God, and here's sinful people, and they ate and drank in, in God's presence. This is amazing. <laughs> so, this is the result. Um, there, it's this description of sitting down to eat and drink, being communion and fellowship in the presence of God. So, but the key point, I already said it, the key point in all of this is this happened because the covenant had not been violated yet. For us, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? If you don't know that and you're a believer, you need to know that, <laughs> right? Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's the New Testament fulfillment now of this idea. They had peace, a peaceful setting here in this old covenant situation. And so, folks, here we are this morning, the first of each month, we remember the Lord's Supper, have communion. That's what we're doing. We're exhibiting that when you partake of the elements, you're exhibiting that you have peace with God because of the sacrifice that's been made. Well, point number four, the remainder of the chapter, verses 12 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. 
he said to the elders, he's kind of delegating them uh, uh, instruction about the people in verses 14. Uh, in verse 14, he says, Wait here for us until we return. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute among the people, let them go to them, Aaron and her. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So in this passage is the goal of drawing near. The goal, I believe, has... There are three constants here. Constant issues. Three of them. And letter A is to receive God's instruction. Again, it relates to what we just said uh, a while ago there in point num- under point number two. The idea was to receive his instructions. Particularly, here's the two tablets along with the ordinances or rules for the society of Israel. Okay? They're God's people. And so they need God's law and God's rules. They're going to be followed. And when they're followed, they're going to be a different kind of people than the rest of the world, the rest of the nations around them. Here's the the point for you and I. There's a constant need that you and I have for God's counsel. There's a constant need that we have for His instruction, for His Word. And we, we tend to be a people that move back and forth in it, saying, I, I'm okay, I got this, I got this. Self-sufficiency. Then other times where we get kind of brought into it, into the pressure, and we say, oh, I remember. I need to trust the Lord. I need to draw near to Him. And that's the story of my life and your life. I, you know, back and forth, struggle. Oh, I, I'm okay, I got this. I'm trusting in myself. Or I'm trusting in your help. I'm not trusting in God. Or I'm trusting Him, I'm drawing near to Him, I'm, I'm praising Him, I'm, I, I want to be like Him and know Him. Okay? God's instruction. I need his word and his counsel so that his will might be done, that his will might be done in you and me. And so what is required here? Uh, yeah, obedience, submission, that we learn uh, you know, to obey him, that we learn to be submissive to his way. And again, that's only by his strength and his grace and his power that we can learn that obedience. Letter B, another goal, another constant of the Christian life is to fear, to live in the fear of the Lord. To live in the fear of the Lord. Verses seven, uh, 15 through 17. Think of what those six days might have been like for Moses. This is similar to their trek going up the mountain with the 74 guys. And now he's, he's waiting six days. 
he's not reading, you know, the, the stock market stuff. You know, he's not doing a lot of things. He's waiting. And he knows that the other guys, he's left them. And in, in a little bit, he's going to leave his intern, Joshua, and he's going to go up on his own. Here's this idea of living in the fear of the Lord. The more we can grow in this very truth, uh, the better for all of us. Understanding what the fear of the Lord is. The whole scripture, the whole of scripture emphasizes the fear of God with both positive and negative examples. And the point is that the believer is to live in the fear of the Lord. Here in verse 17, his appearance, God's appearance was like what? A devouring fire. And I'm drawing near to this, or Moses is drawing near to this. The people saw it from the foot of the mountain. They saw that fire. And so we have, again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. It echoes this truth. Our God is a consuming fire. What's that pointing to? His perfection in holiness. Perfect in holiness, nothing can approach. It, it's consumed like a fire. It, boom, it's gone. He devours, he consumes, and what he does is he, it's about evil. He devours that, he consumes evil. There's no evil in his presence. Unrighteous ways, wicked ways, we call it sin. That's why it's important that every one of us understands the right way to approach God. Okay? You say, but I'm a believer. Well, yeah. So we approach according to the new covenant. We're going to get into that in a moment. Letter C, we see that he's gazing upon his glory. Gaze upon his glory. Okay? This morning we sang this new song, Only a Holy God. And in the song, the verses have a number of questions in the lyrics. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else can make every king bow down? But one question was, what other glory consumes like fire? Only a holy God. And that's what we read of here. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. Elsewhere in the scriptures, Isaiah throws out questions. The prophet Isaiah, he throws out questions. The point of all the questions that Isaiah presents to the reader is pointing back to the glory of God. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with Him? Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? What? God is glorious. All that's to build up this idea of what we're dealing with in our day and age. (laughs) You know, this final section in Exodus 24 really um, describes the scene for Moses. And... Like Moses, we too ought to be taking it in, absorbing it. You know, entering into that cloud must have been so fearfully amazing, so unreal. Moses spent plenty of time there. How long? 
40 days, 40 nights. Okay, we're going to shift now with that in mind to prepare for communion. Okay, we have, if you, if you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a far greater advantage due to a far better covenant. Unlike the setup here in Exodus and the, all the tabernacle rules, all Christians are welcomed. All Christians are called to draw near. All Christians are to experience a close fellowship with God. And listen, I know, and most of you know, we can do it out of rote. It's just like back, you know, back of our hand. We know, we know this stuff. We get it. It's real easy for us. We just show up. We sing the songs. We take communion. We we hold our Bible. That's a dangerous place, really, my friend. That's a dangerous place for me or for you to be in. Why? Because we can paint the outside. We can just paint up the outside and, and look, have the look. What's it going to be? What will it be? There needs to be a working of the heart, a transformation from the inside. Oh, did I say new covenant just a little bit ago? You know what the new covenant is about? God's work from the inside out. The old covenant? Let's paint up the outside. We'll look good. And it didn't take long. They failed in keeping the covenant. And that's why, number one, they didn't claim all the land that God promised. Number two, that's why they ended up with problems in their land, you know, being in the land. They were sent off to exile how many times? Because of their disobedience. Now, the thing is, we need to understand that um, that's a... They were obligated to a perfect obedience. Just like you and I, we're obligated to a perfect obedience. Jesus himself said, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Jaw drop moment. How are you going to do that? Okay. And so, um, that's this old covenant required perfect obedience and it didn't work. And it doesn't work for you and I. And listen, you and I can slip into the old covenant way of living by performing so that we, you know, by doing spiritual things so that we gain God's acceptance. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. We need the covenant that is based on grace. We need to be covered in a perfect way by the spot, the blood of the spotless Lamb of God. And so, we have a number of things to connect us now with observing communion. So God calls us to worship Him. Does He just give us the option to worship? No, He commands us to worship Him. He provides the way for Israel 
He provides it, and it's by His grace. He gives His instruction, His rules to Israel. Thirdly, the Old Covenant was set up to make a point that no one could keep it. Israel failed, and you and I, the Bible says in Romans, we fall short of the glory of God. Same thing. Okay? But Jesus... That ought to be music to your ear, Christian. But Jesus. But Jesus brought forth a new and better covenant which He sealed. He nailed it down by the shedding of His blood. His own sacrificial death. Then, another point. Being in Christ, once you have come to faith in Christ... It was because of his shed blood that you can be brought in to his family and faith in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone, right? And it's all because of his perfect work. So that Hebrews 10 says this, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to enter in what we're going to do right here. Unless, what? Unless there's unconfessed sin. And so, it's a constant need. Living in the fear of God. I'm going to confess, I want to confess my sin. I want to partake of communion to draw near. That's one way in which we draw near. One of the most important ways we do so in drawing near to God is through communion. And then finally, it's, we can behold His glory. Do you understand that? As Moses went in to that cloud, here's the, the glory, so to speak, of God. The Bible says that you and I can also. We all, with, in 2 Corinthians 3, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's God who said, Let light shine out of darkness who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing in partaking of communion. That's a part of the Christian life, a very important part of the Christian life. And the more that we are receiving His instruction, the more that we are learning of what it means to draw near to God. Okay? It was a very uh, memorable high point in the life of Israel, doing this, bringing about this covenant. They were God's people. And yet, <laughs> if you take time to read through Hebrews chapter 8, 9, and 10, it's an incredible thing what God has done through His Son, Jesus, to bring us this new covenant. Okay?